Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast, episode 75. I'm here with Justin Rosario. Justin, uh, a, we're recording off on Friday morning, and uh, we're both very, very happy. Yay! Woohoo! Another terrible week for Republicans. So, yesterday, I think it was around 3 p.m. Eastern time, Donald Trump announced that he was getting indicted, right? Then the news broke later on the New York Times and CNN. Uh, so now it's official. <laughs> it is. It is one hundred percent official. He's, what, there are seven charges, right? Yep. He's been indicted on seven charges. Federal, seven federal, federal charges. Federal First charges. time in American history. Woo! Yeah. The, so this is this is bad, right? Like I've been trying to look at. I'm taking my partisan cap off, and just look at this purely from a legal point of view, and like as if I were a kind of a moderate Republican. Would I be concerned about this? And the conclusion I've come to is yes. I am concerned about this. Very concerned about this uh, for a number of reasons. The first is that the, for them to have brought federal charges against Trump, there has to be a, a lot of evidence, like a huge amount of evidence and fairly incontrovertible evidence as well, right? Um yeah, they don't do half-assed at the federal level. Right, at the federal level, like, they're bringing you up on federal charges. Like, they've, uh, it seems to me, like, I'm not sure if it's a slam dunk case, but it's fairly close, right? Like, I don't know, what is your read on this? Take your partisan cap off and the fact that you want Donald Trump, you want this, this guy to go to jail. What do you see? Um, I see that one of the leading headlines is um, uh, what you call it. Sorry, is uh, Donald Trump's own words used as evidence. And now, while they've tried to do that in court before, and the court has been like, "Well, you can't really you do that because you don't know if he knows what he's saying," because they do the whole, you know, he might be lying. Or he's he might be not he might not understand what he's saying. This one is really super specific and clear. It's about as clear as you can get. Yeah. Uh, do do you want me to to, to read that little that little yeah. segment? Uh, hold Please on. Do. Okay. Um. So this is from the New Republic. Um. So federal prosecutors obtained a recording during which Trump says he held on to classified a classified Pentagon document about a potential attack on Iran. He met with two people working on an autobiography for his former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, neither of whom had security clearance. Now, these guys were recording him, and he was aware that they were recording him. Uh, you know, it wasn't like they were secretly recording him, blah, blah, blah. Like, he was talking to him explicitly because they were recording him. Like, he knew that, that he was doing it for the book, and he wanted them to record him. In the recording, Trump claims that he has a big pile of papers that undermine previous reporting that Miley had convinced Trump not to attack Iran at the end of his presidency. Trump had been upset about um, reports concerning this, and he, you know, he wanted to get back at Miley, blah, blah, blah. Trump refers to one document as if it is right in front of him, and at one point there was a sound of paper rustling as if he was showing the document off. 
Uh, CNN was able to acquire a portion of the recording transcript, which shows Trump saying, quote, this totally wins my case, you know, except it is like highly confidential, secret. This is secret information. As president, I could have declassified, but now I can't, he admits. And that's yeah. it. Right. There's, there's really no other way to interpret that. You can't. I mean, what do you do with that other than what was he lying to the journalists? He could have been. But why would he bother, especially if the papers were already declassified, uh, were already classified? Like if, if the papers weren't classified, he would have shown them and said, see, look. Mm. So he's screwed. And that's the least of it. Like right. there's so much more beyond that. Yeah, I mean, there's the, the jury charges. There's an obstru- like one of them is obstruction, right? So um, that he, according to the Times reporting, this is from the Bulwark. Um, according to the Times reporting, the federal grand jury charges an obstruction meant to conceal Trump's retention of the class- classified documents he filched from the White House to hide at Mar-a-Lago. He stonewalled for 18 months, then responded to a subpoena for the for security camera video with footage containing unexplained gaps, and then apparently moved documents and engineered lies to impede the attempts of the U.S. government to retrieve them. The, I'm going to keep reading here. The crimes being covered up here include violations of the Espionage Act, violations that may may be aggravated by evidence that Trump showed the documents to third parties. So this cover-up looks like an exception to the rule that the cover-up is worse than the crime. Still, attempts to evade legal accountability by concealing wrongdoing justifiably infuriate those who enforce the law. Proving such efforts also helps establish a guilty state of mind, the most difficult element to prove in white-collar crimes like those for which Trump now stands twice indicted. Espionage, obstruction and cover-up dramatically distinguish Trump's case from those involving classified documents found at the homes of President Joe Biden and former Vice President Mike Pence. In sharp, sharp contrast, both cooperated with the government's request for the document's quick return. So I thought this was important because it counters this ludicrous notion that uh, this is some sort of witch hunt and that they're not holding Biden um, to the same standards, which they totally are. Uh, one guy tried to cover it up. The other one didn't. Um, yeah. And just just to be super clear, and, and I'm still really fucking offended about this. Joe Biden still has a special um Prosecutor, counsel, he he has someone still looking into his re- accidentally taking home documents, right? They're still looking into that. Mike Pence, who literally did exactly the same thing, that whole case has already been um, dismissed. Right? It's, they did. They literally both did exactly the same thing, but they're doing a really deep investigation into Joe Biden. Mike Pence, who was also a vice president, mind you, these guys were both vice presidents when this happened. Both did exactly the same thing. Mike Pence, totally off the hook. They're not even bothering anymore. They're like, oh, no, that was just an accident. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Mike Pence, go about your business. But Joe Biden, they're thoroughly investigating it still. I swear to God, the double standard is nauseating. I don't care that he's currently president. The mm. fact is that this happened when he was a vice president. They all they, they 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 should be held to the same goddamn standard, but they're not because Republicans are never held to the same standard. The fact that this is happening to Trump means that they must have a mountain of incontrovertible evidence, and he's so screwed. One other thing, just to be super clear, the espionage thing. 
it's not we're not, they're not doing espionage as in he took documents and gave it to somebody else. It's not that's not the espionage part they're looking at. It's the unlawful retention of national defense information. Mm. That's the part they're going after. They're not trying to prove that he handed off documents to the Saudis, which he probably did. They're not trying to do any of that because that gets complicated and messy and they don't want to go there. They just want to do the simplest, most irrefutable part of this case where it doesn't matter how much the right screams bloody murder and how much they say he was a lot. No, this is the really rock solid. We can prove this and it's going to be the easiest possible lift and it's going to put him in jail for the rest of his life. It's not, it's not going to be quite as satisfying as he committed treason and he's going to be known as a treasonous scumbag for the rest of his uh, life and forever. And after that, but it's still going to put him in jail for the rest of his life, and I'll live with that. It's Al Capone and his taxes. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, you know? right, e- exactly. I mean, I, I, it seems to me that the chances of a, of an indictment are are fairly, um, fairly high. The chances that he's found guilty. I, I mean, I guess it's a race, you know, because once he, if he becomes president, he can um, just, he'll just be able to pardon himself or try to. It's never yeah, I mean, I, I wonder, I wonder whether this is a deal, um, whether the Biden administration is considering a, a, a deal with Trump. I, I do like I putting my realist uh, cap on. Would the Biden administration say, OK, we're going to let, why don't we offer this guy? Um, th- we'll offer this guy a pardon in return for him never running for office ever again. See, now that wouldn't be cool because that would be tampering with an election. What's happening now, that's not tampering with an election. Offering Trump a pardon for him not to run, that would be tampering with an election. I would actually be very uncomfortable with that. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think that the rule of law should be allowed to progress, right? That that the the wheels of justice should turn. And I think that, um, you know, without... uh, uh, you know, the U.S. loses a lot of credibility if, if there's some sort of deal in the background that he gets a pardon and then, uh, you know, he gets off scot-free. I, I don't think that, that looks good for the United States. Yeah, but... they shouldn't have done it for Nixon. I, I, I get why they did it at the time, because they didn't want to make things worse. They didn't want to increase partnership. But now, now it doesn't matter, right? Partnership's already as high as it's going to get short of a shooting war, Right. But that would be exactly what everyone says it is. It's it would it would appear to be exactly what the right wants it to be, which is Biden trying to affect the outcome of the 2024 election. They should just sit back and say, I ain't giving this motherfucker a pardon. Oops, sorry that he's not getting a pardon for me. It's like he, if he, he can take his chances in court like everybody else. Yeah, I think that's the right thing to do. But the, the, the I guess the danger then from a political point of view, if you're, if you're Joe Biden, is that uh, he's exonerated again um, and then, you know, becomes president or uses it as a way to, you know, boost his, his popularity. He becomes a martyr, you know, he's the greatest witch hunt ever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah. And- you know, I don't know about that. Like people keep saying that the, like the people who keep saying that are also the same people who are saying it's the biggest offensive thing in the universe that he's being indicted in the first place. So it can't be both. 
it can't be a huge boost to his campaign and be the most worst thing ever, ever, ever. I think they're saying that because they want to try and convince, uh, you know, DAs and Merrick Garland and the attorney generals and whatnot to not indict him because mm. they're really concerned that this is going to reflect badly on him. Like, remember, the whole Ukraine thing, the whole phone call in the first place was specifically to make it look like Joe Biden was under investigation. They didn't even actually have to have an actual investigation. They just wanted to make it look like he was under investigation because they knew it would make him look bad in the public's eye. Right. Right? Like, so they know having Trump be on actual real trial, not even fake trial, but real trial is really bad for him. There's going to be people who are going to, who are like his diehard fans are going to flock to him, of course, right? Because there's nothing they love more than nailing themselves to a cross. They love that. Oh, right. we're the victims. But there's going to be a lot of other people who are going to be like, hmm, yeah, witness tampering. Yeah, I don't know if I want a president who's into that sort of thing. That's right. mob shit. That's mob stuff. I don't know if I want that as a president. I think I'll stick with the guy over here who has not had any scandals or been accused of witness tampering. I, I don't maybe I don't like Democrats, but this guy hasn't been arrested twice or three times because you know the Georgia one's gonna land this summer. Right? Right. So uh, maybe I'll stick with the guy who doesn't keep getting arrested for crimes against the United States. Maybe I'll stick with yeah. that guy. I I yeah, I think you could be right. I think you could be right. I, I, in no way, I think is this. This is not a net positive for Trump in any way, right? There's like at least a fifty percent chance he gets like invited for this. This is, you know, that's the end of him. Uh, number one, number two, right? The optics are not great. The majority of the com- of the country, but they're all ranting and raving about how this is a stitch up, and they all want, you know, the I think it was Charlie Kirk was was urging all the Republican candidates to drop their campaigns. Um, and then rushed to Miami to uh, to be in solidarity with Trump. I don't know if you <laughs> saw that one. No, uh, that was they're, they're definitely not going to do that. There's much too much money for them to make not doing that. I mean, they're already out there doing it. They are already, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis has issued a statement. I mean, it, it's the uh, this is what Ron DeSantis said: the weaponization of federal law enforcement represents a mortal threat to free society. We have for years witnessed an uneven application of the law depending on political affiliation. Why so zealous in pursuing Trump, yet so passive about Hillary or Hunter? The Sands administration will bring accountability to the DOJ, excise political bias and and weaponization once and for all. This guy, this guy, right? Wow. Absolutely no evidence um, that there's weaponization of federal law enforcement at all. Every, every Republican accusation is a, is a confession. Right. I, I mean, Jesus, look what he's been doing in his own state. He's literally weaponized law enforcement. Right. And but also, the, I don't think these what I find so disturbing and disgusting about this is that the damage that they, they're doing to these institutions and to the country and to democracy by, you know, claiming that. that Trump broke the law, clearly broke the law. He's not been found guilty yet. Let's be, be clear about that. And let me find guilty. Um, you know, there's a court of law is going to decide that. But for every rational observer looking at this, you're like, okay, this is fairly clear that he's a criminal, right? It's not even 
it's not a debate, right, that the guy is a criminal and he's getting off on technicalities. Um, and he was shielded from a lot of stuff because he was president. Um, so the idea then that you blame this on politicization uh, is you're basically undermining the credibility of your own country. Like this is it's, it's, it's so irresponsible. I mean, I've got to say, at least Chris Christie, Chris Christie, for all of his past sins, the guy's been saying, like, look, I want to see the charges, right? And I'm not, he's not against, you know, prosecuting Trump. The, 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 I think Chris Christie, for, for all his sins, is someone who I think he does now sort of recognize the damage that Trump has done. Right and and how dangerous this guy is for the country. And this is not me being a Chris Christie supporter, but I feel like there are some Republicans who are now saying, "Okay, look, this is enough." Right, this guy's, and it may just be because Trump's lost his power. He's not as powerful as he once was. Right, and there's a window for like, if he was as powerful as he once was, Mike Pence wouldn't be running for president. Right. Can I just, can I just uh, have a little round of applause for Mike Pence for um, he's stepping up for? I think the guy's into he's into like humiliation. Stuff. <laughs> I think he loves it. I don't know what. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, Why would you, mother? Mother, please, another whip, please, mother. <laughs> right. It's Why, so weird. It's really weird. Why would you run for president in a party that wants to kill you? Why would you do that? They they hate you. They want to kill you. Like, I mean, I, I can see, I can see Mike Pence and Chris Christie are there as suicide bombers to to pull down Trump as much as possible, right? Because Mike Pence, he's going to be aimed at the the evangelicals right. who, now that they've got their anti-abortion, they, right, they, they toppled Roe v. Wade. What do they need Trump for anymore? Yeah. Right? They don't need anything else from him. And yeah. he's, he's a disgusting thing in the eyes of the evangelicals with everything else that he does, right? Everything else about him is repulsive to actual evangelicals like he's he's just repulsive and mike pence you know i I mean i think mike pence is repulsive in other ways but mike pence is one of them so if mike pence makes the case that trump is a morally reprehensible creature don't keep following him and evangelicals go yeah we got what we want out of this guy we don't need to keep giving him our support even if it means that we don't get a Republican in the White House, at least we can start turning away from that, then maybe mm. they'll do it. That would, I mean, and maybe that's the case that he plans on making. Who knows? Mm. And Chris Christie's also there is just a fucking suicide bomber. Sorry, a suicide bomber to nuke Trump because, well, he's mad at Trump as he should be because Trump did him dirty more than once. Uh, I could see him, him doing that. What's that? Also, basically, almost killed him, didn't try to kill him, but almost killed him. Right. I, I could definitely see Chris Christie being in it just to tackle uh, Trump off the stage and be like, yeah, this guy can't be president or anywhere near being president again. I'm here just to get myself some recognition, maybe land myself a TV show on MSNBC and do as much damage to Trump in the process as possible because screw that guy. Yeah, I mean, he he, he basically... Um, I mean, do you remember the whole super spreader event that Chris Christie went? Chris Christie was at the super spreader event and he did debate prep with Trump with no mask on, right? During the peak of the COVID pandemic and then almost died. Yeah, I would take that kind of personal. Yeah, I wouldn't forget that because I'm sure he wanted to wear a mask. Because, I mean, you know, Chris Christie's 
he's Chris Christie, but he's not stupid. No, he's not. He's a bright guy, Chris Christie. So I'm sure yeah. he would have liked to have worn a mask, and I'm sure Trump said, no masks, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, fine, whatever. And he paid yeah. the price for that. Yeah, I mean, his, this is what Chris Christie said about the, the indictment. He said, we don't get our news from Trump's true social account. Um, let's see what the facts are when any impossible indictment is released. As I've said before, no one is above the law, no matter how much they wish they were. We have more to say when the facts are released. So, yeah, that's fair. I feel like, you know, that's um, he hasn't said anything yet. This, that was uh, a, a day ago. So we'll wait. We'll wait to see what he says about the actual indictment. Now we can see it um, about the charges, rather. So that'll be, it'll be interesting to see about how they respond to it. it they're in a hard place right all these republican candidates where they know that the party um basically it's a trump it's the trump party so whatever right, you, can't, you can't be opposed to trump and still try to get trump voters yeah right 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 exactly and i think ron DeSantis is going to try to do that um and his one leverage point he thinks is the whole anti-woke stuff which is that's the, this, this is the only thing he has is just being a bit an arsehole like <sighs> i don't have anything else to say other than being an arsehole and being anti-woke um but the other people, the other the, the other candidates have even less than that, you know. Exactly, it's like who who the hell is Perry Johnson? Uh, Who's Do- Doug Burgum? It's like I've never even heard of these people. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's going to be sad. It's going to be a very sad uh, sad affair. Uh, entertaining to watch, but sad. They're, they're all um, trying. They're all trying to get their names out there for the post-Trump world because it's coming. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Of course. Well, look. Let's let, let's move on. Um, we did uh, some some good stuff on the banter this week. Uh, we've got your article uh, in particular. I think was 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 fantastic. Uh, you've had a lot of very very good feedback from that, by the way, Justin. Um, thank you, thank you. So uh, your your article was last week was catastrophic for the Republican Party. Um, they needed two things to have a chance of winning in twenty twenty four, and they just lost them. So. Would you like to give us a brief roundup of your, of your <laughs> you can discuss? Um, well, okay. So aside from Trump and Trump, uh, Trump's legal woes, um, Doc Brandon struck again um, because last week they signed the um, the the bill. They signed the, the debt ceiling bill, and that was phenomenal. And Republicans did not get a whole lot out of it. Um, they got some stuff they wanted, but it wasn't anything that they weren't going to get out of a regular budget negotiation anyway. And considering their original starting position, which was, you know, death, destruction, and the slaughter of the firstborn of every East Coast liberal, (laughs) they really didn't get much. Hmm. Um, And some of it, they got even less than they thought they got. And the, 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 the MAGA land is super, super mad about this because they really, really did need to crash the economy. Uh, because going into 2024, they don't have anything else. Trump is in a weakened position. Um, his message is, vote for me and elect hate, and I'll give you more white nationalism. This is not a winning message in an electorate that it keeps getting larger, whereas the white nationalist vote keeps getting smaller. That vote is not getting any bigger. Um, so that's that did not help. At all. Uh, after that, you've got um, Ron DeSantis's Twitter meltdown. I mean, that was the week before, but still, it was terrible. So that was awful for them. And now you've got the special elections. Now, this is something that a lot of people don't pay attention to, 
we here at the banter keep paying attention to this and we keep being right about it, even though the press really doesn't like talking about it when it's going the way of um, Democrats. Special elections, any one special election is useless as a bellwether, right? Because it's a single special election. But when you look at all of them as, as a whole, it gives you a trend. It lets you know where things are going. Like in 2018, all the special elections were going, not all of them, but they were mostly going in one direction. There was a real shift to um, to to the left, and the press did not want to talk about that. And then there was a 2018 wipeout. In 2022, the special elections were going towards Republicans. And then um, the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade, and all of a sudden, everything shifted to the left and the Republicans started losing almost every single special election where right before that they were winning them left and right. And the press didn't want to talk about that either. It was supposed to be the big red wave and they got slaughtered. It was just a barely a red trickle. And now if you look at 2023, so this is according to Axios by the number across 18 legislative state legislative races held this year, including yesterday, Democrats have outperformed the 2020 presidential results by an average of six points. That is catastrophic going into an election year. Like 2020, Republicans lost, right? We kept, we had the House, we had the Senate, and Trump got beat by, what was it, 9 million votes or some ridiculous number like that? If we're outperforming 2020 by six points... That's going to be a goddamn. It was seven, about about seven million, I think, but almost. Okay, it's going to be a massacre if it's if we're going polling six points above twenty twenty. That's not not polling, but just um, averaging six points above that. It's going to be a bloody massacre going into twenty twenty four, and it's only going to get worse if nothing changes between now and then, other than Trump is just going to get more indictments leveled on him. And this is this wasn't Trump stuff. This was all Republicans. People are just really, really mad at Republicans about Roe v. Wade. And Republicans will not stop trying to take away reproductive rights. And every place that they control, they won't stop trying to take away women's rights. So this is just going to get worse and worse and worse for them. And of course, the economy hasn't collapsed, which is something that, you know, we're not we're not in the middle of a recession. It's not getting worse. We could still get a light one. We don't know, which is why, you know, we always got to listen to Bob when Bob says, don't get happy. Just pretend you hear his voice. Don't get happy. But right now, things are looking terrible for Republicans, and they don't really have a strategy to make it better. So, yeah, there's, because the, the narrative always is, you know, Dems in disarray. But, I mean, let's be honest, this is the GOP in in a sort of, I mean, it's been in a sort of a perpetual kind of meltdown, uh, meltdown mode for, for years. years yeah. I mean, it's been overtaken by lunatics. I mean, the c- c- Congress is packed full of nut jobs. Uh, you, you know, that they are not, it's not really um, a political party in any traditional sense of the word. I've made this argument tons of times that, that you cannot call the GOP a political party in any sense of the word. No, what I are think... their politics? It's who can we hurt? Who can we make the demon of the day so we can get people to vote for us because they're angry? That's it. That's right. their politics. That's not politics. Right. And the sensible ones, I think the Chris Christie's and the Mike Pence's and all these kind of not supposedly normal ones, they kind of understand this. 
I think they kind of sense they 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 try to do a bit of fascism light, which is basically being anti woke, uh, but it's not enough because they don't give the base what they need. The base wants fascism, right? Like they they're running on a different uh, for a party that no longer exists anymore. Yeah, they got a real taste for it now. Yeah, so I think only you know bona fide fascists really get are going to get a look in now. Like Ron DeSantis is almost there. Um, but he's he's smart, DeSantis. He's not stupid. He's not a dummy. Um, so obviously, you know, he wants the, the backing of the political establishment. This is where Ron DeSantis has is um, he's the basically the the kind of RNC's favoured candidate because he's you know they can deal with him, they can talk to him like he's not insane. Um, but that means because he's not insane, he's not going to win the election. He's not going right. to win the primary. So what do you do? Deal with a madman like Trump is a madman. So, I mean, my fear is that obviously somebody worse than Trump comes along. I don't know who that could be yet, but... Uh... But Ron DeSantis, but for real. Because Ron DeSantis doesn't really care about any of this stuff. He does it because he knows that's what the party wants. He, he, yeah, he does or... it because that's what the base wants. What we're worried about is that a Ron DeSantis who actually believes what right. he's saying comes right. along. Or, or a Ron DeSantis with charisma. <laughs> you know what I mean? The guy... well, Ron, yeah, Ron DeSantis who's convincing. Yeah, the guy has got absolutely zero charisma. Um, but look, anyway, I, it's an excellent article, everyone. I highly suggest you read it. Get yourself a band membership. You get 50% off and um, you, you can read it. I'll put the link in, in the in the uh, the newsletter as well so you can go and check out Justin's article. It's highly worth it. It's um, a good pick-me-up. <laughs> we, we can talk about my, my piece quickly too because uh, Cornell West and decided to throw his hat into to the ring now. Now he is um, running for president of the United States. I wrote a piece this week about the experience of uh, meeting or, or being in the same room as Cornell West many years ago at a book signing event when I kind of the 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 veil was lifted and I kind of realized what who he was and what he was all about. Um, and let's just say it wasn't positive. It wasn't positive. You can read the the, the report or you know, you can read my article. I go in, in depth about it, but I'll t- the at the book signing event, it was for a Martin Luther King Jr. Day, uh, you know, remembrance thing, and there was someone who'd written a book on Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, I'd gone down to see him talk, um, and Cornel West was there. I was kind of excited about that, uh, but the whole evening was, or the whole afternoon was, basically taken over by Cornel West, who a hadn't written a book about Martin Luther King. And B spent the entire afternoon calling um, Obama and Uncle Tom and um, saying that he was basically a slave owner and that Al Sharpton and all these other people were, were uh, um, quote unquote, house Negroes um, on the Obama house on the Obama plantation, um, which was I it was kind of shocking, to be honest with you. I, I was I was genuinely shocked. I hadn't expected that uh, him to say anything like that. I mean. I mean, look, like I, I'm, I'm not going to get in. I, I don't feel it's really my place to get into um, black politics too much, and on, on the kind of the internal um, battles that go on within those, you know, within that kind of p- particular uh, political culture. It's not really my place, but it did leave me thinking, wow, like that's really unpleasant and really uncalled for, and I don't understand why he's. He hates Obama this much, particularly given the shit that Obama was uh, had taken right during in his early days of his presidency. It, it was awful. Um, 
you know, the, he faced unprecedented Republican obstructionism, like completely unprecedented. Uh, and here was Cornel West essentially calling him a, a sellout. And, um, you know, he was working for the, he was a neoliberal, like working for the establishment. And he was a, I think he called him a Republican in blackface. Ooh. It was like really awful. Um, and also I realized that he, none of this had anything to do with Martin Luther King Jr. I don't know what he was, what the talk was about. And I realized he was trying to sell a book he'd written a couple of years earlier. Um, and he'd hijacked somebody else's book signing event to f- flog his own book um, and rant so and rave about. Yeah, it was it was it was really not classy at all. It was just very undignified. I thought the whole thing was very undignified, and he didn't seem like a nice guy either. Uh, like the the persona he portrays on television is not that's not what he's like in person. It's very different. Um, and I I went I was going to talk to, I wanted to go and talk to him but after watching him in action for a while I just thought you know what I, I really don't <laughs> I really don't like this guy or his energy or the way you know what he's talking about I thought it his was vibes very, really, were just wrong <laughs> it was it was, it was like like really bad like really really bad uh, to the point where I just thought like this guy's an obvious con artist. Um, and I don't understand why he, you know, he's a hero to the progressive left, of course. Uh, quote, and, unquote, and, progressive. Yeah, those are the people who are out at the book signing event to to see him, like, and you know, all, all white, all, all, uh, <laughs> yeah. And that was the thing, that was the thing about your article that caught me. You, you had written, uh, he was there for the radicals, the almost exclusively white Bernie Sanders activist crowd that had turned up to the event in large numbers. I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, right. Of course, of course. I mean, I was on a table full of black women, and all of them were. I mean, I had a chat with, with the woman sitting next to me. She was just, she was pretty. <laughs> I won't, I won't uh, repeat what she said, but basically, wasn't nice about um, Cornell West at all. And and they, you know, they were clearly there. They were kind of activists as well, but they were horrified by Cornell West and how abusive mm-hmm. he was. And well, yeah, one of the women said to me that you know he's resting on his laurels of what he did earlier. Um, but this this iteration of of him is not, you know, it's not a good one. Um, so anyway, I I wrote a piece about it this week uh, because I just feel that he's just another one. He's another one of these grifters, right? He's another one. You've got um, Marianne Williamson, and we've now got RFK Jr. and and now Cornell West running for president, and all they're doing is helping Donald Trump. They're just helping Donald Trump. Right. And and I think it's part of it's the grift, but also I think part of it is that they're doing it explicitly to help Donald Trump. I'd written like Jerry Fassler. He's he he was a he's a former um, banter contributor. He had reminded me of an article I'd written right after the 2016 election. Um, it was just a couple. It was like a week or two after the election. Cornell West was doing a victory lap that he'd helped get Donald Trump elected. He was quite happy about it. He was thrilled that he had stuck it to the Democrats. He was more happy that the Democrats had lost that than a white nationalist fascist was now in the White House. And you saw that a lot on the alt-left. They were giddy, giddy that the Democrats had been owned. They had, ha-ha, the, the shit libs had been owned. Ha-ha, they, they learned a lesson. But, and the problem, and this is why I hate the alt-left more than 
like the with the power of a thousand exploding stars because they always scream about how much they're for the common person and how much they're for you know the the poor and how much they're for this and how much for that but the second they get the chance they throw all of that under the bus in order to put republicans in power it's always about helping republicans get back into power under their under their theory that if they can collapse society then what will arise will be their allegedly pure progressive utopia but that never happens ever in history that has never happened where societies collapse and what arises is this great wonderful liberal utopia that doesn't happen it always ends up being worse because unless someone from outside comes in and who's going to come from the outside to help restructure the united states honestly nobody right. is going to do that right so if our society collapses we have to rebuild it and if the fascists are the ones that helped collapse it they're going to be the ones that are going to burn it all to the ground so they're not going to let it be reshaped into something other than a pure nightmare and in the meantime millions of of the people that these progressives supposedly represent they're going to suffer and die but they don't care because it's never about that right just just yeah. like you know this this guy cornell west right he's appealing to all these angry little white guys who got mad that obama got elected that's who he's appealing to so that's what he does now so he wants to put trump back in power because that's his audience. That's all he cares about. He doesn't care about progressive politics. He cares about appealing to angry little white boys. And it's disgusting that he's yeah, doing that's, this. Th that, that's my sense on it. I, like, I mean, I, my, my sense with West was that he was, you know, he, he's just greedy. You know, he wants to sell whatever it is he's selling. I, I don't know. Right. No um, principles. No, no, yeah, lack of principle, really, real lack of principle, which is sad because I don't think he was always like that. Like, you know, from, a lot of people say that the guy was, you know, a, a genuine activist. Um, but something I don't know, you know, I don't know what happens. You, you know, you get uh, you get older, you get cynical, you want some cash, and you just think, well, I'm going to do the like. And there's another point I made in my article that, you know, what on earth uh, gives Connor West any? What, what what's his resume? What's he done in eight years that would lead him? You know, in in ten years. That would remotely prepare him for for public office. Like it's not like nothing. He hasn't run for government. Hasn't run anything. Um, hasn't done any proper campaigning. Like, what? Why? Why would this guy be a good president? He wouldn't. But he can. He can. He. Not, I mean, RFK's flamed out for the most part. Williamson. I haven't even seen a single thing about her in like a month. I don't even know if she's still running. Where is she? I haven't seen or heard anything about her, right? And those are going to be the two people who are going to bring down Joe Biden, but they're already floundering, which means the alt-left needs a new figurehead. Mm. They need to trot out a new figurehead to take on Joe Biden. And in, if Cornell West flames out in a month or two, then they'll just trot out somebody else. They'll pull up. I swear to God, we're going to see Joe Stein before this is over mm. because they have to keep – they're going to have – they're trying so hard to split the vote on the left because Trump is super, super weak. He's not nearly in a good position. Like he was in a much better position in 2020 because, you know, he was president at that point, but he doesn't have incumbency. He's got a ton of indictments dragging him down. And, mm. you know, he's just a raving lunatic at this point. And 
the, they need to split the left, and they're trying super, super hard, and they're having a really bad time of it. So yeah, yeah, they're just going to keep trotting these guys out as challenges to Joe Biden, Urgh, the warmonger, blah blah blah, whatever. So right, right. I mean, well, look, I I I hope everybody um, checks out my piece on on Cornell West because I think that like, you know, he's not a good guy. Uh, I think that also I'm going to release it. I'll probably release it for free next week as well so that people can people can read it. I think, um, you know, if you're flirting with uh, all this anti-Biden stuff, you want to look a bit more closely at these people running for president. Who are they? What do they want? What are they selling? Don't, you know, as our, our, our friends at Conspirituality Podcast are always saying, don't watch what they say, watch what they sell. <laughs> that's, um, a, that's a good way to do it. So look now, let's go moving into our both sides. Uh, Justin, your pick this week—you've got a real uh, unpleasant character. Yeah, this is. Um, this was. I saw this and I was like, "What?" And then I poked around and I, I, I looked at someone and it was like, "Oh, this is, that's, that's bad." Okay, so we have Representative Clay Higgins. Now, the last time I heard from this guy was when he was throwing a huge temper tantrum over the um, the jail cell conditions for the January 6th uh, insurrectionists, um, which, you know, I mean, he's not wrong. Jail's terrible. On the other hand, he's never really cried about it before until a bunch of white people with money who tried to overthrow the government were locked up. And then suddenly he was very upset about it. So, you know, boo-hoo, let me shed a tear for him. But still, he tweeted out, um, because he's very, very upset that Donald Trump is um, has been indicted. He this is what he tweeted out last night at nine nineteen. Um, I'm sorry, last night being Thursday six eight. You're listening to this on Sunday through the time machine. Um, President Trump said he has quote been summoned to appear at the federal courthouse in Miami on Tuesday at three p.m. unquote. Uh, this is a perimeter probe from the oppressors. Hold. Our POTUS has this. Uh, our POTUS, that's like a Reddit thing, but it's not a Reddit thread. Our POTUS means real POTUS. Um, they refer to Joe Biden as I POTUS, as an imposter POTUS, right? Because in Reddit and QAnon land, Donald Trump's still the real president, et cetera, et cetera. Um, okay, back to Clay Higgins. Buckle up. Uh, one slash 50k, know your bridges, rock steady, calm. That is all. Now, I had to look up what the 150k, know your bridges thing is, and there were people on Twitter who were talking about it, and I looked it up. So, the 150k, what that refers to is hold on, where is it? Damn it, I lost it again. All right, 150k refers to um, the military's um, topographic maps, right? They use 150,000 scale topographic maps in the military okay and that is um basically militia talk like domestic terrorists use like like the boogaloo boys type stuff that they talk about that's code for them um know your bridges um there's two things going on for that right now people are either saying that that is know your bridges means know your escape routes or know your bridges is Know which parts of the infrastructure to hit in order to keep the first responders from showing up when they hit that, when they, you know, basically launch an attack on the federal courthouse in Miami on Tuesday, 
at 3 p.m. So either they want to keep Trump from getting indicted or they want to rescue him. I don't think they want to rescue him. I think they want to make sure pretty much what they did, what they tried to do with the Capitol building, which was hit it to keep um, the government, um, the official government proceedings from occurring. Right. So if you hit the federal courthouse beforehand, Trump's not getting indicted because you'll have set it on fire. And if you hit the bridges, no one else is showing up to do it. No one else is showing up to stop you. So this guy, a representative in the House of uh, Representatives, United States Congress, is openly inciting domestic terrorism. And that's a thing that is happening now. That's just a thing. And the thing that's most disturbing to me is either this guy had someone write this tweet for him or he wrote it himself. Either way, either someone on his staff or a representative in the House of, you know, in Congress is very well steeped in militia talk, in white nationalist militia talk. And that's super, super disturbing. Oh, yeah, that is incredibly disturbing. Jesus that's Christ. Amazing. I mean, not surprising or not shocked. Surprised nope. but not shocked, I guess. Is that the way? Or shocked but not surprised? Or shocked but not surprised. Shocked but not surprised. Yeah. Oh, well, wow. Okay. Well, my my both sides, uh, this uh, this episode is slightly more benign, but um, this is uh, Elon Musk who has basically tried to both sides the in, the Trump charges, the Trump indictment. Um, Elon Musk tweeted this out yesterday. He said, there does seem to be far higher interest in pursuing Trump compared to other people in politics. Very important that the justice system rebut what appears to be differential enforcement or they will lose public trust. So this, yeah, so this is, for our both sides segment, I'm choosing a person trying to both sides Trump's indictment, right? This is not a both sides moment. Let's just have a look at, like, Hillary Clinton, for example. There were four... Um, indictments. There were four charges. She was investigated four times. Um, some of them, I think, while she was uh, first lady, right? Um, no investigation yielded any result. I think they spent almost $100 million investigating Hillary Clinton. Republican-led uh, investigations found nothing, charged with nothing, no evidence of any criminal wrongdoing ever, right? Not that they didn't want to. They just couldn't... They... They couldn't bring up the evidence to bring into a courtroom where a judge wouldn't destroy them for doing it. Right. So when you've got clear and incontrovertible evidence of Trump committing a, a crime, you know, it stands to reason that the legal system then, you know, clicks into gear, right? And he gets indicted. He gets charged with 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 obvious crimes. But Elon Musk is now, this is what, I think Elon Musk seems to think that his role on Twitter is to, he's both siding things, that as if both sides are equal, right? As if like, you know, I think yesterday he was also talking about, because Tucker Carlson's got his weird little log cabin show on um, on Twitter now. <laughs> and um, have you seen it? It's really weird. I refuse. Yeah, I like just refuse. Talking <laughs> about aliens and, you know, conspiracy theories from a log cabin somewhere in Massachusetts. I, I've got, I, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, but he was like, you know, I can, why doesn't Rachel Maddow and Don Lemon put their show on Twitter? Um, as if this whole thing is just about, we're going to hear from, we've got one side on the left and one side on the right, and we all need to be fair about it. It's like, no, 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 no. We have a lunatic fascist on one side. 
And on the other side are normal sane people who don't want anything to do with your platform or anything to do with you, right? Which is why they're fleeing Twitter and the advertisers are running. Like, I think Twitter's advertising revenue is down like 60% this last month. Oh, um, so sad. Yeah, sad, right? But I think it's important to highlight this, right? This to highlight what how stupid Elon Musk is when it comes to this kind of thing. I'm not saying he's a stupid person in general. I'm sure he's a very good engineer and he's a very good businessman, but he is politically a moron, like a total moron. Um, and this, I think, is just another example of, without looking at the charges, he's just like, well, both sides, you know, like, why don't they do this to Hillary Clinton? Or why don't they do this to Joe Biden? It's like, because they're qualitatively different things, right? You cannot compare uh, what Joe Biden did to what Trump did, right? There's there's no comparison. Just because Trump says there is, it doesn't mean there is. Right, just because the MAGA nut jobs are arguing that there is doesn't mean they don't change reality just by saying it. Right, like this is what I think, and this is the the sort the trap that uh, the media falls into. That CNN, like CNN, the guy at CNN who was the the, the disastrous CEO, um, Chris Licht, Chris Licht, right, who then thought it was a great idea to try and get Trump uh, supporters to watch CNN by getting Trump on on a town hall event. Um, which essentially destroyed morale in the in the uh, in the company, as it would do, right? Because you're right. getting this lunatic to come on and lie nonstop, where you can't fact check him fast enough. He lies faster than you can fact check him. Um, and, and for audience share, they did it for audience share because they want to give this appearance of both sides. Right? They didn't get it, so ha-ha. right. Both sides are not the same. Both sides are not the same. This is why we do this. This is why I want to, I'm keeping this uh, segment of the show, right? I don't know how many times we have to highlight the fact that both sides are not the same in this country. You cannot equate the right and the left. You cannot equate Donald Trump with Joe Biden. It's not fair, right? And this is, again, it goes back to Cornell West saying that, you know, basically Trump and Biden are, is this the best we can do, is what he was saying. Is this the best we can do? It's like, no, Joe Biden is the best we can do. And that's pretty good. And Donald Trump is the worst we can do. Right? And it, it's just, it's really important. We don't talk about this enough when we do both sides. It's really important to remind people what the point of the both sides thing is that the media does and Republicans do and the alt-left. There's a reason all three of these groups do this. The main point, the, the, the reason both sides exists is when you, when everyone is guilty, no one is guilty. That's the point of it. That's its function. Right. If everyone's the bad guy, no one's the bad guy. So if I have a mass murderer and I say the mass murderer and this guy over here who just um, who just shoplifted a bag of Doritos, if I say, oh, my God, both of these people are lawless criminals, well, suddenly – the, the mass murder doesn't seem so bad because both of these guys are lawless criminals. We have to treat them the same. Right. And you're not going to treat the, you're not going to treat the shoplifter with the death penalty. You're not going to do that. You're just going to say, well, you know, we kind of have to treat them the same and we have to, you know, it's better for society if they're both treated the same. Well, you're not going to go crazy and take the lawless, uh, the, the, the shoplifter, throw them in jail for 50 years and possibly execute them. You're not going to do that. You slap them on the wrist. But if you slap them on the wrist, well, you got to slap the serial killer on the wrist, too. It's only fair because right. they're the same. That's right. the point. That's always the point. 
that's the function of this. If as long as you treat the Democrats the same as Republicans, you will not talk about you will not treat Republicans like the fascist monsters they are. That's how this works. That's yeah. why they do it. And and I do think it's kind of the equivalent of a sort of a almost like a psyop. I know this is used in alt left and alt right language a lot, right? But it sort of is. It sort of is a sort of a a, a mass. A mass campaign by the mainstream media, by the corporate media. Oh, it um, absolutely is. It's you, you, absolutely a psyop. You, if you don't consider both sides, if you consider both sides equal, you never have to look at Republicans. And say, my God, they're monsters. Everyone's the monster. Then that's why they always say Congress and Washington. That's why they always talk about Washington and Congress and, and you know, what's going on in D.C. They don't say they don't say Republicans are the ones that almost crashed the economy. They blame Congress. They don't say Republicans are the ones that took away reproductive rights. Women, they say the Supreme Court. Right. They always use broad general terms. So you don't hold Republicans accountable. They do that on purpose. You know, you write for a living. You know how this works. The word choices are very, very explicit. Right. You do. You there's nothing. There's not a word you put in your article that you have not looked at and chosen specifically, explicitly for that word to be there. Mm. I, there's nothing I put in my article that's not there for an explicit reason. So when they say, "Well, you know, it's just using Washington," it's like, yes, you're using it because you don't want to say Republicans. And don't pretend otherwise, especially the people who write for newspapers. They get paid way more than I do. They're much more professional at their jobs than I am. So I know what they're doing and I know why they're doing it. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a a good um, Gary Kasparov quote, right? Gary Kasparov, who's a Russian chess champion, who's a militant anti-Putin activist. And um, he he wrote, uh, there was an interesting quote. I use it quite often in, in articles. I've used it in several articles. I think it's so good. And he says he he said the point of modern propaganda isn't only to misinform or push an agenda, it's to exhaust your critical thinking and to annihilate truth. Right. And I think that this is essentially what the media sort of is is, is has done. I think it's got better since the Trump years. I do think. I think like some of these networks have woken up um and started to and realized that what they're doing is akin to misinformation. Right, but that's the, the net effect of it is to annihilate truth, right? That right. there is no truth. It's just two sides of this. You know, one side says this, the other side says that, and then we don't know which one's the truth, but we're just reporting on what both sides say. No context whatsoever. Right. Who are, who are we to say the media? Who you know? Who we can't tell you the truth. We don't know. It's like really, that's literally yeah. your job. Yeah, right, and that's why I do think that in some ways the the corporate media system does exist as a kind of propaganda effort, but the pro- it's not what the right thinks it is. Like what the right screams about the liberal media is not what I it's not what I would regard as the lib- as as being liberal, right? I don't regard not CNN as being. I, I regard CNN as being uh, almost worse in the way that it normalizes right wing propaganda, and like that that's that's the sin of CNN. Right, the, C- the the sin of CNN and MSNBC and all these other news organisations for years has been to normalise this insanity, and that to me is a, is a form of propaganda. But look, anyhow, um, that noise. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> this means we are now in 
the emergency meeting. The emergency meeting uh, this week, we're going to be talking about uh, gay pride. Um, this was just on your suggestion. I thought this was really good. It's Pride Month, um, LGBTQ Pride Month, right? LGBTQ plus? Plus Pride Month. Don't want to mess that one up. Um, no offense to anyone. So we're going to talk about this, what this means to us personally, which I thought was an interesting subject because neither of us are gay or um, identify LGBTQ plus. Uh, Yet, we both have stories. I think you have a, a very profound story about, about how this stuff has uh, affected your life. Um, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about um, my living in West Hollywood when I was a young man and how that radically changed my perception on, on all of this stuff. Growing up in a pretty homophobic uh, environment in, in the 80s and 90s in, in the UK. And moving to West Hollywood and having a completely different experience. So anyway, we're going to talk about that in the emergency meeting. You can join us there. Be a brief discussion, 15, 20 minutes. Um, it's members only. Uh, you can get 50% off a Bantam membership if you sign up today. Uh, we would love to have you and see you. Uh, for everybody else, we'll see you next week. Adios.